This is Podco Media Networks. It's the Demystifying Data Podcast with Chris Clegg, where we deconstruct the tools and techniques marketers need to make data more actionable. Here's Chris. Hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Demystifying Data. I'm your host, Chris Clegg. And today I want to talk to you about using benchmarks to negotiate better sponsorship agreements. It really has to do with validating what venue managers are telling you, choosing the best package for the brand, the best sponsorship package that you have. And it's also, it gets a little bit bigger than that because it's also looking across all of the stuff that you're going to do in a campaign and evaluating your cost per sample and seeing how that cost per sample on the macro level compares to other campaigns and making sure that you're designing a campaign that is appropriately efficient to make sure it delivers for you a stronger ROI. So when this podcast begins, I jump right into this idea of negotiating better venues and better sponsorship agreements, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's talk about negotiating better venue or sponsorship agreements. So the right data, the right benchmarks will give you a point of reference when speaking with venue managers or developing sponsorship agreements in general. When I talk about benchmarks, I'm talking about the archive of the data that represents your activation history. So it's the metadata of the things that you did on site. It's the response of consumers and how well you impacted them, generated a positive return on investment, how well you were reaching the right type of consumers. And all that data together goes into a data warehouse that you can use to better understand your marketing performance and to do better marketing in the future. And we can use that benchmarking to do a large number of things, one of which here is to evaluate the sponsorship agreements and to look at how, what we're being sold and how well that compares to what we would expect. So we can do this in two different ways, and I want to share both ways with you. One is validating the venue manager or producer performance commitments. So what are they saying they're going to do? What are they saying that the show or the venue can deliver for you? And then the other has to do with choosing the best sponsorship package in general, being able to evaluate a number of different options and choosing the one that's most appropriate for you. So take the first one, for example. When a venue manager tells you that their convention is a great place to engage millennial women, you can consult the appropriate benchmarking tables to validate that claim. So here's an example. Let's say that you're consulting your gender prevalence benchmarks and you're looking at gender prevalence by venue through your historical data, and the tables are showing you that conventions tend to actually skew more towards males. Let's say that those tables were telling you that, you know, two-thirds of the campaign engagements at conventions were with males, and only one-third were with women. You know, furthermore, you might notice that the age-slash-generation prevalence benchmarks by venue type was showing you that conventions were only about 35% millennials, and they were two-thirds Generation X or baby boomers. So you've got a manager who's recommending their convention for you, but when every time you look at conventions historically in your benchmarking database, you find that conventions don't tend to have millennial women, they tend to have Gen X and baby boomers men, hypothetically. And, and so that can tell you, you know, it's not saying that the venue manager's lying. It's not saying that the producer isn't giving you the straight scoop. I mean, their convention might be very different. But going into it, you need to be a little bit cautious. You know by looking at your benchmarks that what they're saying isn't necessarily typical of your experience. 
And by having that knowledge, you're in a better position to negotiate, a better position to evaluate what they're trying to present to you. Uh, now, let's say you look at your benchmarking data further and you look at those same tables. And when you look at age broken out by venue type, you actually see that bars and clubs tend to have more millennials. And they're averaging about a 50-50 split, men and women. And so the bars and clubs might be a better routing schedule if your target is millennial women than the convention. However, bars and clubs are accounts that have a very specific match to certain kinds of consumers and certain products that are appropriate for that scene and certain other ones that aren't. So if it wasn't appropriate, then you would kind of move on to other things. But let's say other places in the table, you find that, you know, fairs festivals tend to have a little more families but they were about 58% women, so a little bit more than men, and roughly half were coming from the millennial generation. So the fair festival option might be a very viable alternative to the bar restaurant, bar clubs, and both of those might be more appropriate than the convention. But at least you've got some point of reference. You've got some data point that you can use to better understand because it's all about choosing the best sponsorship package. I mean, this information allows you to choose the right sponsorship package for your experiential marketing campaign and the brand that you're trying to serve. When everything and everyone is on the up and up, you can validate the projections provided and you can get some confirmation as to the demographic targeting and what you can expect. You can set expectations with your client. You can set expectations with the brand team. And you can even take the estimates that you got from your benchmarks, from your historicals, and you can plug them into your predictive ROI models to kind of see, you know, if I did reach this level of target consumer, if I was on target this often, what would I expect the impact to be? And I can consult my impact tables and I can balance that all out, look at the volume differences that I would see in an on-premise account versus the volume that I could get at a convention versus a fair festival. The on-premise is going to have smaller volume per hour. The convention is going to have that elevated. The fair festival is probably going to be the highest engagements per hour. And you can look at that targeting. You can look at what you'd expect for an impact from your benchmarks in similar situations. And then you can look at, you know, the volume of people that you might get to. And you can start to do some ROI simulations on these three options and uh, start to identify the one that might be best for the brand. And what's great is that when you are actually presenting this to the brand and sharing with them your logic, you're doing that in a data-based way. And so you are not only coming across as having sound reason, you actually do have sound reason based on a well-organized set of your precedents. So let's take it a little bit further and let's talk about budgets. Let's talk about how do you benchmark budgets and campaign expense in a way that's going to give you a good point of reference to understand if you're getting a good deal. So let's talk about evaluating campaign budgets before you're committing. Experiential marketing budgets are developed through this trade-off process between how many people you're going to reach, those are your event days, your staff counts, versus the experience that you're delivering to those people when you reach them. So the bigger, the more impressive experiences tend to be more expensive. And those are not always, it's not always the case, but there's that trade-off. And so you can have this extreme wow that immerses consumers into the uh, experience you're delivering. And you might have a little bit of a slower throughput, so not as many people will see it, and it's going to be more expensive per person. Or you might tailor that back, focus on venues that have higher throughput, 
uh, or higher volume of, of people to engage, uh, a more efficient throughput of an event set, and you're going to get to more people, but you're going to have less of a, an impact on them. Every experiential marketer who's designing a campaign for any brand is thinking about this trade-off, and they're thinking about this problem of, do I spend a dollar on a million people or a million dollars on one person? And that's obviously stupidly extreme examples. But the point is that they're deciding on a middle ground. And it would be helpful when you're evaluating a campaign before committing to it, if you had a point of reference in understanding the decision that they made and how it compares to the decisions that others have made historically. And there's nothing stopping you from looking at how others have done that in the past. You've got access to benchmarks, either from Portma or through your own internal databases that can tell you, you know, what have been those trends. And this is often done by looking at cost per sample or cost per engagement, depending on the nature of your activation. So you may ask yourself a question like, you may be looking at a campaign where you've got 45,000 samples being distributed for $700,000. And that campaign may be looking to do that at a large number of events, and they're focusing on smaller, more intimate events. Let's say it's events where there's 125 people or less. And when you look at that, and you look at you know $700,000 spent 45,000 distributed, let's assume it's one sample per person, you get an average cost of around $15.56 per sample. And it's just doing the math of dividing 700,000 by the 45,000 samples. And so $15.56 per sample, is that reasonable? Could it be better? Or is it already exceptionally efficient? And you may look at and consult your benchmarking tables, and you might find that, you know, this is not that outrageous of a price point. It seems to be a well-reasoned, solid budget. There might be opportunities to make it more efficient, but as it stands right now, it seems very reasonable. Because when you're looking at your sample efficiency benchmarks, and you're looking at cost per sample by event size, you're finding that the benchmarks for cost per sample for smaller events, those events that are 125 or less, you might see a median overall of around $14.40 per sample. And so you got $14.40 per sample across dozens of campaigns. You're looking at $15.56 per sample as recommended in the proposal you're evaluating. And so it's only about 8% higher. It's only about a dollar or so more than what you would otherwise expect. And maybe you're doing stuff that's a little bit special. Maybe you've got a unique bent or you've got something that you're doing at the activation that's adding that value. Maybe you've got a dollar premium that's mixed in in some way. And so you've got a, a point of reference and that $15.56 may seem perfectly fine. But let's say you're looking at that table a little bit further. You're looking at that benchmarking table that's showing you cost per sample by different types of venue size. And you realize that as the venues get bigger, the cost per sample goes down. And data's funny in how what is obvious is not always apparent. But when looking at it and putting things in the context of data, it can reveal for you insights into things that you might not have otherwise noticed. And let's say when looking at as the events get bigger, you see the cost go down. And actually your largest category of events, let's say for those that are over 12,000 in average in attendance, if that's the way your table is broken out, Let's say that you find that the cost per sample is actually around $6.42. Now, if that was the case, it might be worthwhile to take a second look at your routing schedule, look at how you're distributing those 45,000 samples, and see if there isn't an opportunity to mix in a couple larger events, because that could bring your overall cost down and give you a, a better chance at a stronger ROI. You're still spending the same amount, but your overall cost per sample 
could be a lot lower if you're able to distribute more efficiently. So that's how we think about and use benchmarks to evaluate budgets. So it's important to note that when I'm talking about efficiency and cost per sample, I'm talking about rates of engagement versus a certain spend, you want to look at events in the context of the size of the event. You want to look at small events, medium, large, however you want to break it up. Uh, You want to look at the expected attendance and what are your benchmarks in that context. When we're talking about consumer targeting, event type becomes very relevant. So bar, restaurant, convention, fair festival. So for event targeting, we want to look at event type. For event efficiency, for budget efficiency, we want to benchmark against size of the event because size of the event is going to give us a clear indication of how many people are available to us to engage. And that availability of of people to engage is going to affect how efficiently we have the potential to be. So those are two clear distinctions when thinking about how you're benchmarking. And I also need to stress when we're talking about budgets is that one of the great things about experiential marketing is that, you know, it isn't yet, and I hope it never becomes a commodity. It's If you're ultra-focused on the brand side of efficiency in your marketing, then and if your your only talk is about working dollars, then you'd probably be better served with something like direct mail or shelf talkers because experiential marketing is different. Experiential marketing is about making an impact that you can't do through television or digital or print or radio. It's about connecting your brand with people at a values level and uh, and helping to share lifestyle connections and, and opportunities that consumers can see in your brand that they're not going to realize through other channels. And that can be sometimes a little bit expensive to do that right and to do that with authenticity. You can certainly use the content you generate from those experiences to create video that you can put on TV or video that you can push out through digital, consumer-generated content through social. There's a lot of secondary stuff that's going to give you a lot of reach and value with experiential. But the activation itself, while it's important to look at cost per sample, cost per engagement, and benchmark that so you know where you stand and you can have some firm footing when when negotiating, at the same time, you're not about getting the best possible price because this is something that's special. It's a little bit of art, it's a little bit of commerce, and it's bringing that together to really make a strong connection with, with consumers. So I'm saying don't beat up your suppliers on budget. Just make sure you know how the things you're doing compares and everybody's on the same page. So again, thank you for tuning in. I hope you found this helpful. We're big fans of benchmarks for obvious reasons, and we believe that they have a lot that they can offer. And these are a couple ways that we wanted to share with you. If you're not already a subscriber to Demystifying Data, go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We publish every Wednesday, and we don't want you to miss an episode. And uh, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're finding value in this. And uh, most importantly, I hope you're having a great day. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Tune in next time as Chris Clegg continues demystifying data. Meantime, head over to demystifyingdata.co to learn more.